Song of Solomon, chapter 2. The name of the message is Christ the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valleys. Christ the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valleys. Let's read the verses in context. We'll read Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And we'll be looking at verses 1 and 2 tonight. I am the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Stay with me, flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rows and by the hinds of the fields, field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love till he please. Last time we met, we, for our Song of Solomon study, two weeks ago, we finished chapter 1. And tonight we'll be looking at a couple of verses in chapter 2 here. And we'll continue to see in this chapter, in picture, the love between Christ and his bride, the church, his blood-bought bride. And we will see the sweet and blessed fellowship in love that they have. Again, the, the bride, the church, and her bridegroom, Christ our Redeemer. And we'll see again how they find great delight in one another. The bride finds great delight in her bridegroom in Christ, delights in his bride. Sinners who have been washed clean by his precious blood. Now again, think of this fact that Christ delights in his bride. She was given to him in eternity. We saw that this morning. He came to earth. He left the glories and splendors of heaven to purchase her. He loved her so much and he loves her so much that he left the glories of heaven. Angels falling prostrate before him, worshiping and adoring him. And he leaves the glories and splendors of heaven to come to this earth to purchase her with his own precious blood. And then he keeps her. He keeps her. All through her sojourn through this world, all through, we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through this world. And he keeps his bride. And he provides for her. He provides for her every single day. Scripture declares that for the believer, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Oh my. Every morning. So he provides for her. He keeps her. And one day, he will have his bride complete with him. Complete with him. And think of this. They will be in his presence, in glory. And the bride is made up of sinners. Sinners. Who have been, who have been saved by the free grace of God in Christ alone. And they are all clothed in his perfect, spotless righteousness. 
every single one of them. And they will be in his presence, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That's something for us to just rejoice in. Just to rejoice in. Ephesians 5.27, the scripture declares this. Paul's writing about the church, the elect of God, the, the ones Christ gave his life for, that he might present it to himself, his bride, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Perfect. Perfect in his eyes. Or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And that's all because we are clothed in his righteousness. Now what security the believer has in Christ? What security the believer has in Christ? In no way is his salvation or her salvation dependent upon anything we do. Our salvation is completely dependent upon Christ. And he is our all-powerful and ever-present Savior. And when we meet together, in his name, he is guiding us and directing us, teaching us through his word. The Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures and gives us an understanding of the things of Christ. And we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, not so that we can boast, but so that we can glorify him and praise his mighty name for what he's done. And he teaches us through the preaching of the gospel of God's free grace. Now turn, if you would, to Isaiah 43. The one who calls himself the Rose of Sharon is the same one spoken of in Isaiah chapter 43. The sovereign, almighty God of the universe, Jehovah, the self-existent one, who needs no one and nothing. And look at in Isaiah 43. This is wonderful. Verses 1 to 4. But now, thus saith the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existent one, that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. The believer sees that verse and goes, my goodness, I'm his, I'm his, by his choosing, I'm his, he's redeemed me. When thou passest through the waters, look at this, for, for we who, when we go through trials and tribulations in this life, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God. My, the Holy One of Israel. Look at this. Thy Savior. And every believer says, Christ, he's my Savior. He's the Savior of my soul. Thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sebia for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight. God's people, his elect, 
are precious in the sight of Christ. Precious. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. I know who I am. I know what I am. And I know what I was. And I, Praise God, I, I, I'm not what I'm going to be. <laughs> but but when, I, when we get the glory, we'll, we'll be sinless, won't we? And I mean, praise God, we'll be sinless there. That's what, we, that's what we look for, isn't it? That's what we desire, to be with the Lord, to be sinless. We struggle with sin all the time. All the time. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. So the one who calls himself the Rose of Sharon is the very one speaking these words. And the soul of the believer is safe and secure in Christ, in Christ alone. And he will keep his church, which he purchased with his precious blood. He will keep the church in perfect safety so that the believer can truly sing no matter what comes our way. And it's hard sometimes. We know that. It's tough sometimes. But the believer can truly sing, it is well with my soul. It's well with my soul. Job said, though he slay me, you'll not trust me. Now there's much beauty around us in creation, isn't there? There's much beauty around us in creation. But the Lord Jesus Christ possesses more beauty than all of creation. Than all of creation. We used to go to the ocean and stand there and see those waves come crashing in on the great rocks that are out there and See the mountains and take your breath away. But they don't even compare to the beauty of Christ. They don't even compare to Him. The beauty that God's people see in Christ makes everything else pale in comparison. Spurgeon comments about the rose here in our text it's when he says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Spurgeon comments about the rose. Amongst the flowers, the rose is deemed the sweetest. The sweetest flower. But Jesus is infinitely more beautiful in the garden of the soul than any rose can be in the garden of the earth. For the believer, Christ is the sweetest thing. He takes first place in the believer's life. As the scriptures declare that he is, he is to his bride, to his blood-bought church, the fairest among 10,000. The fairest among 10,000. He's the rose of Sharon, and he's the lily of the valley. He's the lily of the valley. Think of this. The heavens and all of creation are dark in comparison to him. He is bright as the sun for the believer. And his beauty transcends all people and all things to the believer. Now it's common for lovers to use poetic comparisons to describe one another. And we see, we see in these first three verses of this chapter as the bridegroom and the bride describe their love and esteem for one another. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys, the bridegroom says. And he continues, as the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And then the bride says, As the apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight. 
and his fruit was sweet to my taste. My. Now the rose is, is called Queen of the Flowers. I saw a commentator mention that, so I decided to look it up and see if that was true. And they call it the Queen of the Flowers, the rose. The Queen of the Flowers. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ infinitely excels over all others. Just as the rose is called the Queen of Flowers and none compare to it, the Lord Jesus Christ is infinitely more desirable to the believer and he excels over all things, whether angels or men, None are to be compared to him. None are to be compared to him. He's the head and we're the body. He is the glory of things in heaven and of things on earth, whether thrones or principalities or power. He is fairer than the children of men, the chiefest among 10,000. Oh my. And he proclaims here that he is the rose of Sharon. The rose of Sharon. Again, the rose is the queen of flowers. And think of this in light of this morning's message where we looked at the sacrifice of Christ was a sweet-smelling savor. A sweet-smelling savor to God. So sweet is this rose spoken of in our text. Oh, what a savior. What a redeemer. And we are accepted in Christ and him alone. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the blood. And a rose is a, a fragrant and sweet flower. Its scent is excellent. But no rose compares to Christ. No rose compares to Christ. He yields a fragrant and lovely savor, a sweet and refreshing savor to his people. Turn, if you would, over to chapter 1 and think of this in light, think of how, this in light of, of his merit and his saving grace to his people. You who are the beloved of God, is he not a sweet-smelling savor to you? Is he not a savor of life unto life? Because look at verse 3. His name is like an ointment poured forth as a sweet perfume, fragrance in the air. Verse 3. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as an ointment poured forth. Oh, he's a sweet-smelling savor to his people. Therefore do the virgins love. Now the rose of Sharon are roses which grew on the, the coast of Sharon between Caesarea and the coast of Joppa. And it was down on that coast where Peter met with Cornelius. The area is said to be protected by the mountains of Jerusalem from the hot desert winds. And they're also nurtured by the cool winds that come off the Mediterranean. And Sharon was said to be a place of great fruitfulness. So that the roses there that grew... The red roses were of great beauty, absolute great beauty and loveliness. And no doubt they were of superior quality to other roses. So Christ in all his merit is the rose of Sharon to his people. He's the rose of Sharon to his people. We see in him all our merit before God. All our merit. We see in ourselves nothing but sin. And again, everything we do is tainted with sin. But oh, we look to him who is the rose of Sharon. The perfect, sinless lamb of God. The Lord Jesus Christ. And then we marvel that we are clothed in his perfect, spotless righteousness. 
Now, an, a rose is the offspring and fruit of a good, though seemingly dry, root. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 11. Christ, when speaking of his human nature, is the offspring of David, a branch out of the stem and root of Jesse. And then put your finger in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And there came forth a broad of the stem of Jesse and a branch. There's one of the names of our Savior, the branch. Shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and, and might the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And turn over to Isaiah 53, if you would. Christ is called a root out of dry ground. And a rose, again, is the offspring and fruit of a good, though seemingly dry root. Look at Isaiah 53, verses 1 and 2. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor calmness, and when we see him, and we sh when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. So, so before the saint of God is saved, there's no beauty in Christ. Just remember how we thought and how we felt about Christ before the Lord saved us. I didn't see any beauty in him at all. Brother, we've talked about that before. No desire for him. But now, oh, he's the rose of Sharon. What a change. And it can only be wrought by the Holy Spirit of God. When we're born again of the Spirit, we see Christ in his beauty. Now, the rose of Sharon speaks of Christ's redeeming blood also. To the world, it means nothing. To the world, it means nothing. But to the bride, the blood-bought saint of God, Christ's blood is precious. Precious. It's what's purchased our pardon. It's what's paid the redemption price for our souls. Precious. And think of the sweet fragrance of the rose of Sharon. Christ gives to his people the sweet scent of redeeming love, pardoning grace, and complete atonement. It's a sweet smell and savior to God's people. Our text continues. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Now the lily of the valleys, let us consider the pure, white, spotless righteousness of Christ. It is by that that the believer has been made pure. Now we're still sinners, aren't we? We still sin while we're here. But God looks upon the believer and sees them in Christ. Clothed in his righteousness. My. 
clothed in this pure, spotless righteousness. And the word translated lily is from a root that means whiteness. Whiteness. To you who look at Christ by faith, the sight of him brings peace, rest, hope, as nothing else can. As nothing else can. He sweetens our trials. He sweetens our tribulations. He sweetens the troubles we go through. With the eye of faith focused upon Christ, all we see is his beauty. And he is indeed beautiful as the red rose and as beautiful as the white lily to the believer. Now the lily is a beautiful white color and represents purity. Purity. Think of this in light of our Savior who was born absolutely sinless. Absolutely sinless. The perfect one. The spotless one. The one without blemish we looked at this morning. Never sinned in thought, word, or deed. And what a contrast to those he came to save. What a contrast. We were born dead in trespasses and sins, physically alive, but dead spiritually due to our fallen Adam. And we had absolutely no ability to save ourselves. And we had no desire to be saved. We were shaking our fist at God and if not crying out with the voice in our actions, we were saying, we'll not have this man rule over us. That was our state. That was our natural state. So think again of the purity of Christ's nature. He is both God and man. The God-man mediator. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. We have a glimpse of his perfection on the Mount of Transfiguration. Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. Oh, he was pure and spotless. And this is what the lily pictures in his humanity. Luke chapter 9. Verses 28 to 36. Now remember, Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. And we'll see what they were talking about. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. And it came to pass about in eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his remnant was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory. What did they talk about? And spoke of his decrease, meaning his death, beloved, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. When they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make 
three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing, Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear, hear him. He's only satisfied with Christ. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Now, Peter wanted to make three monuments. No. God will not share his glory with anyone. Christ will not share his glory with anyone. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. All that God has to say to us, he says to us through Christ. Through Christ. Now the lily is also in a valley, which is a place of humiliation, a place where it can be trodden down. Like the roses of Sharon, it's in a place of fruitfulness, but it's in a place where it can be trodden down. Think of Christ's humiliation again, leaving heaven to redeem and to purchase those whom the Father had given him in eternity. Christ came to save sinners, and praise God, he did it. He did it. We could never save ourselves, but praise God, again, he makes the the unwilling willing to come to him. He works a mighty work of grace within the soul. In regenerating us, we born again by the Holy Spirit of God and granted faith and repentance to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I said, the unwilling run to Christ when they're born again. My. And they rest and they trust in their Savior. Salvation is of the Lord. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Let us consider our next verse. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. These are the words of Christ speaking about his church, speaking about his his bride, whom he calls my love. My love. The church, those who are united to him by faith and love him, they are as the lily among thorns. By the mighty operation of grace, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to God's people. And the church of God is in this world as a lily among thorns. As a lily among thorns. She, the church of God, is said to be among the thorns, but she is not of the thorns. The thorns being wicked men, Comparable to thorns for their unfruitfulness, unprofitableness, for their being hurtful and evil to God's people, and for their end, which is to be cast into the fire and burned. The thorns are also nations and men of the world, carnal, false professors who are trusting in their own works for salvation. He is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley, and she is the lily among thorns. 
turn, if you would, back over to chapter 1 again. She's called the lily amongst thorns. Where did she get her beauty from? Where did she get her beauty from? All from Christ. All from Christ, beloved. Look at verse 5. I am black, but calmly. My. Black, but beautiful. (laughs) Black in sin, but beautiful in the righteousness of Christ. Oh, ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon, she sees herself black with sin, and yet beautiful in God's eyes, clothed in Christ's perfect spotless righteousness. Turn, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16 gives us a glimpse of where we are when the Lord seeks us out as lost sheep. Ezekiel chapter 16. Starting in verse 1. Again the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, Cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is as the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. As for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these things unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. We come into this world boring dead in trespasses and sins with absolutely no spiritual life at all. But look at this in verse 6. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased in waxen great. And thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is growing, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, now here, here's a key portion right here. Behold, thy time was the time of love. When God saves a sinner, it's a time of love. My goodness. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. The believer is clothed in the righteousness of Christ. His nakedness is covered. My goodness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away the blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. She's a lily among thorns. I clothed thee also with broidered work and shod thee with badger skin and I girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments and I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck 
and I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thou wast decked with gold and silver and thy remnant was of a fine linen and silk embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and thou wast exceedingly beautiful. Beautiful. And thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my calmliness. There it is. Perfect through his calmliness, which I had put upon thee. My goodness, saith the Lord God. Clothed in the spotless righteousness of Christ. Turn, if you would, again over to Song of Solomon chapter 1. And we know that all the beauty of the bride comes from him. One commentator said it's reflected beauty. It's reflected beauty because she's clothed in his perfect righteousness. And Christ sees his bride beautiful in that state. Beautiful. My goodness. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. Behold thou art fair. Remember fair is translated beautiful in the Hebrew. Behold thou art beautiful my love. Well, we're sinners. But Christ says to his bride, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. And the beauty we saw, the beauty comes from him. Comes from him. Behold, thou art fair. Beautiful, my love. Behold, thou art beautiful. Thou hast dove's eyes. Behold, thou art, again, verse 16. Behold, thou art beautiful, fair, beautiful, my beloved. Yea, pleasant also, our bed is green. My goodness, how this ties in with that she is a lily amongst thorns. A lily amongst thorns in this world. We who are united to Christ by faith and and love know that this is a work of God, an operation of the free grace of God, being born again by the Holy Spirit of God and being clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness of Christ. This righteousness has been imputed to we who are to we who believe. And we are sanctified, redeemed, and we are being conformed to the image of Christ. All in Christ. The church of God in this world is a lily among thorns. Think of this. Think of this too. Look at our text there. He says, I'm the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys, right? And then he says of her, as the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Now turn, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 23 and then put your finger in Jeremiah 33. Do you know she bears the name? She, the bride bears the name of her husband. The bride bears the name of her husband. She bear, the, the bride of Christ bears his name just as the bride bears the name of her husband. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. This is the name whereby he shall be called, speaking of Christ, the Lord our righteousness. Again, in his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Now we see the wonders of imputed righteousness of Christ. Turn, if you would, over to Jeremiah 33. 
What's she called? What's the bride called? And knowing this too, knowing this, that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And his righteousness is perfect and spotless. And it's being imputed to the believer. Look at this marvelous. And this will tie in with how he says he's the lily of the valley and then he calls the bride a lily as well. She bears his name. Jeremiah 33 verse 16. In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. This is the name where, wherewith she shall, be, she shall be called. The Lord our righteousness. She bears his name. And she's only called that because of the righteousness of Christ. She's not the Lord. That's not saying that. But it's, she's clothed in his perfect spotless righteousness. It's all about Christ and Christ alone. It's all about what he's done. She bears his name. And she's a lily amongst thorns. The cares of this world amongst unbelieving rebels and, and even our own vile lusts, they're thorns in the flesh for us, aren't they? These things contribute nothing but pain for us. Yet, yet among the thorns, God's people stand out only by his grace and only by his mercy in Christ as lilies amongst thorns. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. He describes those people whom he has loved, chosen, redeemed, and called unto himself. His bride, he calls them the lily amongst thorns. And he calls them my love. My love. Our beloved Savior is to all his people the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valley. Again, look at our text. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Again, he calls her my love. This is God's distinguishing grace. God's distinguishing love set upon them from all others. And how long again has she been his love? Well, we love him because he first loved us. He's loved us since he's loved us with an everlasting love, an unchanging love. And this morning we looked at how his people were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. They've been loved with an everlasting love. And, and when I think about that, personally, it leaves me in awe. And I know it does you too. It leaves us in awe, doesn't it? To think that he's loved us with an everlasting love. My goodness, what a Savior. What a redeemer. This is mercy and grace beyond, beyond anything we can comprehend. Beyond anything we can comprehend. The bride is chosen out to be a lily amongst thorns. And note in our text, she's among the daughters. These are false professors who are like thorns amongst the people of God. She dwells amongst these and, and yet in, her, in his eyes, she dwells amongst these, these false professors in the world, and yet in the eyes of Christ, his bride is a lily amongst thorns. All he sees is her beauty. That's all he sees. Because he, remember, he purchased her. He redeemed her. Thou art mine. My, how that thrills my soul. To hear those words, thou art mine. Oh, what a sake. What a redeemer. Even in her state, after she's been saved, after she's born again, a sinner saved by grace, 
she's still a lily amongst thorns. My goodness. She struggles every day with sin, but she's looked at by him. It's all the, he, he loves her. He loves her. She's clothed in his righteousness. She's a lily amongst thorns. And what does this do when we read of this? It thrills our souls, doesn't it? Because we know that we're not worthy of this at all. If we got what we deserve, we go to hell. But the believers receive mercy and grace in and through Christ alone. And when we read these texts and when we think about them, and I encourage you to meditate upon it through the week, think about it, chew on it, and because it'll, it'll fill your heart with joy. It'll fill your heart with joy. It'll, it'll make you grateful for what Christ has done. My goodness. Our Lord is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. And the bride is a lily amongst thorns. My goodness. Heavenly Father, we praise your mighty name. You are great. You are a great God and King. And as we read of our great Savior, who is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys, it leaves us in absolute awe to think, Lord Jesus, that you left heaven to redeem and purchase sinners, those who are dead in trespasses and sins, shaking their fist at thee, and yet you have loved your people with an everlasting love. And now you see us clothed in your perfect spotless righteousness. And you see us as a lily amongst thorns. Lord Jesus, it's incredible what you have done for your people. May we leave here rejoicing, we who are redeemed. May we leave here shouting for joy for the great things that you have done for us and in us. And Lord, one day, one day, we know it's soon because our lives are like a vapor. We will be in thy presence and we will glorify thee like we've never glorified thee upon this earth in sinlessness. We will be in thy presence, spotless and perfect only because of thee. And we will sing with the redeemed salvation song. Salvation through your precious blood and being clothed in your spotless righteousness for eternity. Oh Lord, we long to be with thee. May you be glorified and magnified. And may you use this message for your glory and your honor and your praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.